All right. <laughs> Welcome to I Think I Want to Marry You, uh, a series that is all about this awesome thing that happens between a man and a woman and chemistry that leads to courtship, that leads to marriage. And so did you all wear your fancy clothes tonight? <laughs> <laughs> Some of you wore sweatpants. It's cool. Um, hey, but here's the reality is that we do a relationship series and every year it's the same thing, right? Like the fellas roll in and they look a little bit nicer and they're toting their Bibles so that you know that, you know, they mean business and they've got their wild at heart books, like kind of like propped on the outside there. Hashtag a beauty to rescue, right? Like, like they're like, hey girl, you know, I'll invite you into an adventure, you know, and you're like, sweet. And then, and then girls, you know, you, you show up and you've got your Lululemon gear so that everybody knows that you work out. And then, and then you all get into your circles, right? And, uh, and don't act like you don't do this. You get into like your girl circles. And what it does is it creates this instant femergy, right? And guys, guys walk by and they're like, whoa, it's a pack of girls, you know? And it's femergy. And, and, but, then, but then it also has this adverse effect where it's like this little circle. And so they're like, I don't get it. Is the wall, it's the walls of Jericho. Like, do I... Do I march around, you know, seven times I can ask one of you on a date? Like, like it's intimidating for a fella to walk up to a pack of females. Um, but everybody is into this thing called relationships. And we've talked about the fact that while all of us want a relationship, while all of us are into relationship, that statistically relationships... For every two that are created, for every two marriages that are created, one of them will fail. And so we talked about the reality that we want to be a type of people that creates relationships that defies statistics. See, creating a relationship is easy. Creating a relationship is easy as um, looking at someone and being like, oh, and batting your eyes. And he bat, you gotta bat your eyes like this. You gotta pucker up your lips like this. And, and you know, and you take her to ice cream and you fall in love over mint chocolate chip. Like, creating, creating a relationship is easy. Sustaining a relationship is literally defying the odds. Creating a relationship is easy, but we want relationships that last forever. We want relationships that are for better or for worse, in sickness and in health, in richer and in poorer. See, this is the stuff that storybooks are made of, but the reality is, is that for most marriages, these type of forever relationships, I mean, they're only in stories. That as soon as trouble comes, as soon as hardship comes, as soon as hard times come, someone ends up giving up. Creating a relationship is easy, but giving up on a relationship, just as easy. But to be a relationship that goes forever, see, that's defying statistics. Winston Churchill, a man who uh, led the United Kingdom during the time of World War II that I would consider probably one of the greatest leaders of modern day uh, history, he said this about kind of our, our, our ability to sustain, and he said, never give in, never give in, never, 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 in nothing, great or small, large or petty, never give in. And so tonight, I want to talk to you about the idea and about the hope of having relationships, having a marriage 
that never gives in. I titled tonight, Never, 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 Never Give Up. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Jesus, thank you for marriage. Thank you that we have tonight. Thank you that we get to talk about this thing called marriage. And God, I just pray that you would be amongst us. I give you the stage. I'm humbled before you. I ask you to enter in tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, how many of you would consider yourself a stubborn individual? Yes. If there is one thing that I can say about myself with assurance, it is that I am a stubborn individual. To be stubborn in my view means that I get my eyes set on something and that I will work for it and work for it and like finagle and like I got, and then I won't stop until I get it, which is, is an awesome trait in some ways, but it doesn't work so hot in board games, right? Because <laughs> nobody wants to play with you because you're really intense. And um, it also doesn't work really well in political seasons because like, um, you know, like I'll get into arguments with people and I'll be like halfway through and I realize I'm wrong and I'm like, doesn't matter. I'm gonna keep arguing, you know, like, <laughs> like, like, let's go. And, um, this is a decent trait, though, to have in life. A few years ago, we were at Lake Powell, and we were having some fun. Uh, for those of you who don't know about Lake Powell, you get some houseboats, you chill on a lake for a week. It's amazing. And we decided, let's make um, a modern-day, like, wipeout course, like, right here, right? And so we do this whole thing where you dive into the water from the houseboat, and then you get up onto a floaty, and you kind of pull yourself on a rope over to this giant, you know, floating island, and then you kind of get up on it, and you got to scurry across it. And then you monkey bars through, you know, we've got like this tower on our speedboat. So you get a monkey bar through that. And then you dive in again. You pull yourself back into the boat. You run up the stairs of the houseboat, slide down the slide. And when you hit the water, that's time, right? And so I was like, sweet, let's do this. And so I dive in and I'm breathing really hard. and like, woo, you know, like this is just for fun. And, and I get up onto the speedboat and my husband's doing time and he goes, time. And he goes, two minutes, 10 seconds. And I was like, yeah, we're all having fun. This is so great. This is hilarious, right? And then, and then my sister goes. And my sister dives in the water and she like goes through the whole thing and, and she, you know, comes down the slide, hits the water, time. And he's like a minute 53 and I'm like having fun and my face goes from like, that's it, to, all right. I see you, right? Like all of a sudden it's like, it's on for me. And, and I'm like, babe, let me do it again. And he's like, what? And I'm like, nobody else is gone. And he's like, other people need to go, Jess. I'm like, let me do it again. And he's like, and he's like, all right. So I'm like, boop, you know, and I go through and he's like, time. And he's like, a minute 53. And I'm like, let me do it again. And he's like, and he's like, and I do it again. I do it again. I do it again. And finally I get to a minute 43 and, and I'm like, Woo! right? Like in the back of the houseboat. By this time, nobody cares. Like they've all gone in. They're having chips and salsa. I'm like having a party by myself, right? And my sister looks at me and she's like, you need therapy. Like problems. But stubbornness, uh, I, would, I would argue that stubbornness is actually a great trait in some ways. Webster's divine stubbornness is this, having or showing a dogged determination not to change one's attitude or position or course 
on something, especially in spite of good arguments or reasons to do so. You are stubborn when you work to make sure that your work schedule and your school schedule, you know they can work together and you work and work and finagle and talk to counselors until it works because you're stubborn. And you've got a bag at Macy's that you want or you've got a pair of Nikes that you want and so you work those extra shifts until you get what you want because you're stubborn. And you are a Bills fan and you believe <laughs> that you will win a Super Bowl because <laughs> you're delusional. No, it's, <laughs> I'm kidding. It's because you're stubborn. And it's this, it's this ability to not... Give up. And scripture, when it talks about love, listen to me tonight. When it talks about love, it makes a case for the reality that love doesn't give up. First Corinth, or in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we talked about it a few weeks ago. It says, love is patient, love is kind, that it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not um, dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, goes through all of those things and listen to this. This is the amplified version. It says, love bears all things regardless of what comes, come what may. It believes all things, looking for the best in each one. It hopes all things, remaining steadfast during difficult times. It endures all things without weakening. Love never fails. It never fades. It never ends. It never, 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 never gives up. That's love, according to the Bible. And God just doesn't give us a description of love. He actually is good enough to give us a picture of love. And in the book of Hosea, kind of found in the middle of, of the prophets in the Old Testament, he, he goes to this man, this prophet named Hosea, who um, was a prophet during a time in Israel when they were deeply in rebellion, when they were lost beyond all reason, where they had no idea what love looked like. And he said, not only this, but he was a contemporary of Isaiah, meaning like Israel was so messed up that it needed multiple prophets to be like, yo, yo, you got issues, you got issues, right? And so it's him and Isaiah like ministering and prophesying over the nation of Israel. And God comes to Hosea and he says, Hosea, my people need something. They need to understand what it means to love. And he said this, he said, so Hosea, I don't want you to just tell them about my love. I want you to show them how I love. I want you to show them, Hosea. It says this in Hosea 1. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, go, marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. God says to Hosea, look, there's a trend within my people and they don't understand a love that never gives up. And because of that, they are trying to find love in all the wrong places. They, they don't have a concept of a love that never fails, and so they just move from thing to thing to thing to thing, trying to find satisfaction or trying to find love. And so I need you to go, and I need you to show them my love, a love that never gives up. And I would argue that these people are so lost and that they are so foundationally broken because they don't fully comprehend the love of God. And so he says, go, Hosea. I need you to show them how I love. I want you to marry a harlot. I want you to marry something that's completely broken. 
Seeing a case could be made in humanity to 2,500 years later that, that we're no different from the people of Israel, that if we are honest, that we don't comprehend a love that never, 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 never gives up. That we don't know a love that doesn't stop, that, that, that would reach us at all costs. We don't know a love like that. Hosea, you will be a prophet to my people. You are going to show them something that they deeply need to understand. And you need to show them by marrying a harlot. So he does. He pursues this woman. Her name's Gomer. <laughs> he pursues this woman and he marries her. And, and listen to me, you have to think that in marrying this woman, he, he probably falls in love, that he, he meets her, and he's like, okay, is this a girl? And the Lord's like, yeah, that's a girl. And he's like, all right. She's a prostitute, but it's cool, right? And um, maybe she's, she's beautiful, and so he, he falls in love with maybe she's got these kind ways or these little idiosyncrasies or these little quirks, and over time, they make a home together. They marry and they make a home. They have children. The Bible walks us through each child that they have and, and see this initial beginning, this initial beginning. This is the part of love that we know, the initial pursuit. See, we know like the guys with nice jeans on showing up at the girl's house and she for sure has makeup on, right? And, and they go out on their first date and they hold hands and things are beautiful. I remember when John first pursued me, he showed up at my door and he was in a button down and he showed up with my favorite bag of coffee because he knows the way to my heart, amen. And, and he asked me out on my very first date with him and it was a couple dates later and a couple weeks later that we were sitting at this benefit show and I remembered sitting next to him and there was like these twinkling lights above us and everything was perfect. And I remember thinking, I've never been so happy in my whole life. See, we love the beginning. We love when Matthew McConaughey pursues Kate Hudson. <laughs> we know the pursuit, church. We know the pursuit. But Hosea isn't just called to pursue Gomer. He is called to never give up. See, forever, forever moves past the initial pursuit. You need to understand that. If you want forever, if that's something that you're, that you're hoping for, that you're aiming for, it moves past the initial pursuit. And they have a few children together, Gomer and Hosea. But then something happens. Maybe, maybe Gomer begins to feel insecure. Maybe she has some brokenness. Maybe she realizes that she doesn't deserve any of this. Maybe she feels like there's a more exciting life for her. Who knows? Trouble shows up at her door and she thinks, I'd better go back to the way that I lived before, that there was something in the life before that would be right for me, that there's something in the way that I lived my life before that would be good for me. And so she leaves her home. And she returns to her former way of living. And God speaks to Hosea and he says, Hosea, I didn't just call you to pursue her. I called you to never give up. So go get her. Go get her again. This is Hosea 3. The Lord said to me, go show your love to your wife again. Though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Hosea, I want you to show my love. These people, they don't know my love. Israel, at this point, they don't know my love. 
America in 2016, they don't know a love that never, never, never gives up. I want you to go and I want you to find her and I want you to show her what kind of love I have. And so he goes and you have to picture this is before cell phones and this is before like Facebook groups, like, you know, find, help me find Gomer, you know. <laughs> this is before police scanners. And so he sets out on foot, right? And he starts with his neighbors maybe like, hey, hey, Bob, um, so awkward. Have you uh, seen my wife? Hey, have you, I, this, this is a picture of my wife. Her name's Gomer. Have you seen her anywhere? I'm looking, I'm looking for her. I'm, he goes down the street. Hey, uh, this is a picture. She's my wife. Have you seen her? Eventually, he shows up at a house, presumably, and, and the guy says, oh, yeah, I've seen your girl. I don't, I don't know if you're going to want to go see where she's at. And where she's at isn't just playing a prostitute, but she's actually found her way into a situation where she is made a slave again underneath um, an owner where she is sold out to different people. That is the state that Hosea finds Gomer when he finds her. And you have to picture that he's having this moment with God where he's like, seriously? Do you know how hurt I am right now? Do you know how much she's hurt me? Do you know what she's done to me? Like, you want me to go pursue her? Like, like what if she does it again? Then you go get her again, Hosea. But what if it doesn't work? What if she doesn't want me? Then you pursue her still, Hosea. You never, never, never give up. This is how I love. See, and we know the American version of love. Love that begins as easy as a click of a mouse. Love that begins as, as quickly as a kiss on a cheek. But then just as easily it disintegrates into nothing. When trouble comes, I mean the moment, all that Satan has to do is throw a little wrench in someone's system and all of a sudden it's like, well... I'm throwing in the towel. I mean, we just don't communicate well. I mean, I'm throwing in the towel. He's not, he's not the man that I thought that I married. She has anger issues. I don't know if I can deal with her. She won't go to counseling. We have irreconcilable differences. See, this is the love that we know. To which I say, is that really love at all? See, falling in love is easy, but giving up is just as easy. And we want something that's forever, but do you understand that forever means it's past the initial pursuit? And so how do we begin to love the way that Jesus loved, the way that God loves us, the way that God said to Homer or to uh, Hosea to love Gomer. <laughs> How do we love? Because I think, I think the way I want to love, the way I want to love John, the way I want to love people in my life, the way I want to receive love is I want to know a love that never, never, never gives up. Why? Not because I think that's like some cool phrase, because that's how God loves me. That's how Jesus loves me. That's the way that I want to love. And so I want to present to you tonight just three thoughts that instead of throwing in the towel, 
that instead of saying I'm done because he's too frustrating or she's too frustrating or he's too big of a pain in the butt or she's too big of a pain in the butt that we say instead of throwing in the towel, I'm going to use the towel. And there's a couple of things I think we could use the towel for. The first thing is this. We are going to use the towel to wipe our brow. It says this in 1 Corinthians. Love bears all things regardless of what comes. Come what may, young adults. Believes all things, looking for the best in the other one. Hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. It never fades. It never ends. 1 Corinthians is giving a clue about love, and it is not for the faint of heart. It is for people who are ready to go to battle. See, we think falling in love is about weddings and cakes and dresses and like cupids that are fat. Like that's what we think love is about. But we have fallen into a lie that if love is work, then it isn't love. That if love is a battle, then it isn't love. And so the moment that Satan comes in and gives you honestly just a little bit of a challenge, he doesn't even have to work hard. You're like, well. And so what would it look like? Because according to this scripture, I think that what he is saying, what God is saying to us is that real love requires you wiping your brow and getting to work. What would it look like, men of this room, if you worked a nine-hour day, if you worked a 10-hour day, if you worked a 12-hour day, and you got home, and instead of sitting down on the couch or playing video games, you wiped your brow and you wiped her table. And then you wiped her tears. Ladies in the room, what would it look like if after a long day of, of schoolwork or a long day with the kids or a 12-hour day or a nine-hour day, you get home from work and instead of checking out, you wipe your brow and you wipe the cuts that he received in his heart that day. 100% of you that will get into marriage are going to come with baggage. What would it look like if instead of throwing in the towel, you wiped your brow and you did the hard work of going to counseling to receive healing for your hearts? God says, you want to love the way that I love. You never, 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 never give up. And let me ask you this. When you read this verse, the first Corinthians verse, it says this, love bears all things. Come what may, come what may. It endures all things without weakening. Love never fails. It never ends. It never fades. Does that sound like you're getting ready for a prom dance? Or does it sound like you're getting ready for a battle in the middle of a hurricane? Can I get an amen in here? This is what love is like. We wipe our brows. John and I married. Our first year was pure bliss. It really was. It was amazing. The second year... We had reached our first year anniversary, and um, almost to the day, we had bought some puppies to like be like, woo, we've been married, let's get some puppies. <laughs> and we bought a house. The week after we closed on the house, John, who was our breadwinner, I was working at the church as an admin, making um, an admin uh, pay at the time. And John lost his job. And fear entered our home in a way that I never would have expected. And distrust and disunity and frustration and fear. And if in that moment we would have looked at each other and been like, my goodness, this is difficult. What would have come of us? 
But God was calling us in that moment, do you wipe your brow with the towel or do you throw in the towel? It says this, it says love believes all things. It believes the best in one another. Do you know that if you are in here, it is not going to come naturally for anyone in your life to believe the best in them at any given point in time? That's not going to come naturally. You are going to have to fight for that. Love doesn't um, fall into love one day and fall out of love the next. It believes in the other vigorously. Even when he makes mistakes, ladies, even when she makes mistakes, even when he speaks to you in a hurtful way, even when she speaks to you in a hurtful way, even when he has a struggle, even when she totals a car three times in six months. (laughs) Sorry, babe. (laughs) Love means wiping your brow and believing the best in the other person. Love hopes all things. It remains steadfast. It says this, it says, love bears all things regardless of what comes. Listen to me, young adults, this is not far-fetched. What happens when you get married and a year later or two years later or five years later, your loved one becomes irreversibly and and, and, and immobilizingly sick? In sickness and in health. Do you wipe your brow or do you throw in the towel? What happens when he loses a job? What happens when she loses a child? What happens when he loses weight? What happens when she gains weight? What happens when you lose the house? Do you wipe your brow or do you throw in the towel? God wants to know, are you going to love the way I do or are you going to love the way the world does? Because the world throws in the towel, but I, I bear all things. I believe all things. I hope all things. Love never, 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 never gives up. We use the towel to wipe our brow. We use the towel to cover their shame. First Peter says this, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers people's shame. Did you know that? Love covers people's sin. Did you know that? That you can actually heal a person with your love. There's a modern day rendition of the book of Hosea. It's called Redeeming Love. Uh, Anybody should probably read it in here. It's amazing. Um, But in it, uh, Michael Hosea is the representational character of Hosea. And he marries a prostitute in the 1800s by the name of Angel. That's her prostitute name. Her name is Angel. And one night she leaves Hosea. They are married. She leaves Hosea. She goes out into the woods, finds a river, and she begins washing her body with rocks. Because she feels so stained and so blemished and so sinful. And she washes herself so much that she begins, she begins to cut her flesh. And by the time Michael finds her, she's just a complete mess. And she's in the river crying, trying to wash herself clean. And he comes up to her and he covers her. And he speaks life over her. Do you know that you can cover your spouse's shame? Do you know that you can redeem their shame by loving them the way that Jesus loves them? A love that never, 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 never gives up. See, the world says sin makes you a disgrace. 
and incapable of being loved. But Jesus says, my love and those of who, whom will participate in my love will cover your shame. Use your towel to cover their shame. Use your towel to wipe your brow. Use your towel to cover your, their shame. And use your towel to wash their feet. Galatians 5.13 says this, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your love, or your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Jesus says, God says, the way that I love is humbly in service. The next time you want to throw in the towel, write this down. The next time in your marriage, when you get married, when you are tempted to throw in the towel and do not fool yourself that you will not be, when you are tempted to throw in the towel, do this instead. Serve them. Serve them. I remember um, during that season that was most, probably one of the most terrifying times of John and I's marriage where we were so scared and we didn't know if we were going to lose our house. We didn't know if we could pay bills. We didn't know if I, we could feed our dogs. And I remember, um, you know, just this heaviness. And I remember driving home from my job at the church and I pull up and we had these two mismatched lawn chairs. And John had them out in the driveway because we didn't really have a porch, so it was like out in the driveway. And he had these like frozen burgers going on our little crappy grill. And he's like, hey, babe. And he's flipping burgers for me. And I remember sitting down in this little chair, and I remember thinking we could lose everything. But we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. Would you be willing to serve another person with your towel? See, Jesus on his last night here on earth, Jesus, our, our God, our King, the very first last night that he's here on earth, he goes to his disciples and he uses everything in himself in that moment, not, not you know, kind of going into a back room to pray for himself because he knows he's gonna be crucified, but he uses everything that is within himself to lay himself down for his friends, for his disciples, for his, his, his loved ones. And he washes their feet. And listen to me, he's not just washing their feet in this moment because, you know, he thinks he's doing some act of service or he wants to teach his disciples, you know, he's creating a movement because he knows if I show them how to love, if I serve them, then they're gonna go and they're gonna do it all throughout Jerusalem. And if, if those people learn how to love, then they're gonna go all throughout Judea and they're gonna wash feet and they're gonna learn how to serve and they're gonna know how to love. And then those people are gonna go out into Asia Minor and, and they're gonna serve people and they're gonna wash their feet and they're gonna know how to love and they're gonna know this greatness and excellence of love and, and, and then it's gonna be a movement. Do you want to see a movement in your home, gentlemen? Then you lead with service. You wash her feet and you know anytime John serves me he'll come home and he'll like like we're both gonna be so tired we've got two little kids we work full-time jobs we're so tired and he comes home and he starts doing dishes and all of a sudden something in me is like oh, I want to serve you too and so I get up and I'm like you know it creates a movement within your home we want to love like God loves we wipe our brows we cover the shame we wash the feet and lastly we never 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 give up. I want you um, all to meet some people that are very dear to me. And I think they have a story that we all can lean on tonight. Watch this video.
So our first wedding was beautiful. It was fairy tale. It was everything that I had dreamed about when I was little. You know, all the big fancy dresses and it was pretty and it was in a church and it was just every detail down to the last thing was planned. Looking back, I feel like it was a show for everybody. Like we put on a production. Um, not to say it wasn't special, I mean, but our, uh, that was what our focus was. The wedding was amazing and it was beautiful and every detail was planned. <clears throat> but that was the only thing I planned for. I didn't plan, I didn't know how to be married. We became pregnant right away and we lost our first baby. And then we were pregnant again and we had Lily, our daughter. And then I got pregnant again and lost that baby. Pregnant again and had our son. Pregnant again, lost that baby. So in seven years of our marriage, I was pregnant all seven years, pretty much. Then a few months after that, or a few months before that, my dad had passed away. About a year and a half of us not talking, he died suddenly. Um, I, we had a neighbor pass away and he wasn't Christian. And so I accumulate all these things together and I just thought, I'm gonna, I'm fine, I'm fine. And I would lay down at night and these flashbacks would go of my dad, or my baby, or my bed, or my neighbor. Every time I close my eyes, all these images would just start popping up. There was this girl at church, and she was fun, and she was exciting. We started going out continuously, and when she would drink heavily, and so I, I just kind of paired myself up with her. I kind of did what she did, and I don't know why, but I knew that when I drank, that I felt better, that all the images in my head when I closed my eyes weren't there anymore. And so through that drinking and those partying months, then, then I had several, several affairs. And, uh, it doesn't even seem like me. And I decided it would be a good idea to leave my family. And I left. I felt almost immediately that our marriage was going downhill. Not because it was horrible, um, because I wasn't doing the work that I should have been doing. I wasn't leading. I thought, well, we're married. We, we're gonna stay married. Yeah. Um, that's just what you do. I didn't realize that there's daily maintenance that needs to be done, and I, I wasn't doing the daily maintenance. Our divorce was, uh, it was hard. Um, it was devastating. Uh, it was, it was destructive. I had no idea what had been taking place. You know, the sting, as time went on, uh, it it got less and less. Kathy had, had moved on and uh, had gotten remarried. I had a counselor that said, Matt, the best thing you can do for you, your kids, and Kathy is to love Kathy. And I thought, are you crazy? Do you know what she did? But it kept coming. 
and the Holy Spirit was saying, Matt, you got to love her. I mean, I was angry. I, I blamed her at that time. I blamed it all on her. When you ask for God to teach you to love someone, I think he's just thrilled. Because I just feel like God's saying, yes. So when I decided um, to pursue Kathy, um, so we'd been divorced. I guess at that time, I guess it'd been about five years. I realized that whatever relationship I'm gonna be in, whether it be with Kathy or someone else, that it was gonna be a fight, that I was gonna have to fight for it. I thought, well, if I'm gonna fight, I'm gonna fight for my family, because that's God's best. That was God's original plan, and we screwed it up. I asked Kathy if she would be willing to go through a reconciliation process. I said absolutely. So we had done, I had done um, previously to that, I had done about two and a half years of pretty hardcore counseling on myself. Did some couples counseling with her and it was really hard. But I needed, Matt needed to know that I'll never understand what I did to him, but I, he needed to know that I got it, that I get it. As soon as I got my tax return, I went and bought a ring. <laughs> <laughs> so the wedding last weekend was beautiful and simple. It was just the four of us, <laughs> me, Matt, and the kids, and we did simple attire, and it was real. The words we were saying, we knew what we were getting ourselves into this time. I had to completely surrender my life to him. Even though I gave my life to him 15 years ago, I never fully surrendered. He is a redeeming God. And I, I feel like, um, you know, we make some poor choices. And God has given us so many blessings and he's blessed us and marriage is a blessing. Um, Marriage isn't for, he didn't create that for him. He created that for us. I mean, that's a gift. There's nothing that God can't do. I mean, there's so many amazing things, miracles that he's accomplished and to, to fix a broken marriage is no problem for him. Spirit that is inside of us is the spirit that raised Christ from the dead. It's not impossible. So that video is important to me and special to me because that's my brother-in-law and my sister-in-law. And I remember when they got a divorce, it was the year that John and I got married. And I fell in love with Matt, and I fell in love with Kathy, and then all of a sudden everything just disintegrated. And I remembered thinking, oh my gosh, if, if they could just work it out. I know that they've been through it, but if they, could just, if they could just never, 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 never give up. 
And then I remembered Matt coming to our family, and he, and um, we were having dinner one night, and all of John's brothers were there, and, and he just came to us, and he said, look, um, I know this is crazy, but I've been praying, and I've been going to counseling, and I want to pursue Kathy. And would you pray for me? And so they started this process, and, and then... Uh, and then after about a year of going to counseling and courting, this was just a few weeks back, they got remarried. And on their back porch, we had just a little reception, and they had their first dance for the second time. And I remember sitting there just crying and thinking, this is it. <laughs> this is it. This is everything that the movies get wrong. This is everything that America gets wrong. This is everything that we get wrong, where we think love is about us that it meets our needs and our perfection and our picture-perfect world, but it's this. It's two very broken people saying we can't do it, but Jesus, you never, 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 never give up on us. Help us. This story, this story isn't normative, and I think it should be. The word to redeem, it means to buy back. And when Hosea went looking for Gomer, he went looking for her to buy her back. See, she was, she was enslaved at this point. She was in slavery and he goes to her and he finds her in the middle of, in the middle of this brothel and he goes and he has to pay 15 shekels and barley in order to gain his wife back. And I think what God wants you to understand tonight is that if you could understand the way that he loves you, then your marriages might just have a chance. That if you can understand the way that Jesus fights for you, that he never stops fighting, that he went into hell to gain you back. That he went into the darkest of places to buy you back. And if that could sink as deep as it could possibly go into every single person in here, into every single person watching online, if you could know a love that never stops, it never fails, it never gives up, it's not like the world, it never, 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 never stops pursuing you. He will ask you, church, he will ask you, Jesus will ask you to marry him again and again and again and again. He will get down on his knees, he will get up on the cross, he will do whatever it takes to win his love. And if you could understand that love, then maybe it would transform us and maybe, just maybe, we can have some marriages in here that defy statistics. Will everybody stand? I betroth you to me forever. This is God now talking in the book of Hosea. I will betroth you in righteousness, come what may justice and love and compassion I will betroth you in faithfulness and you will acknowledge the Lord tonight God wants you to know two things he wants you to know that this love is possible because the Holy Spirit lives in you and he wants you to know that when you are married you fight you don't give up you wipe your brow you wash your feet wants you to know tonight and I think that there's just a couple people in here that don't know that Jesus has fought for them this way and 
so I just have one question. If tonight you're in here and you don't know the Christ that went to the cross because he wanted to pay for you, to buy you back out of slavery, if that's you in here tonight and you say, Jesus, I say yes to your betrothal. If that's you in here tonight and you want Jesus Christ in your life as your Savior and as your Lord, will you just raise your hand up nice and high? I want to pray for you. Nice and high. Amen. you're in here and you raised your hand, God in this moment is rejoicing over you. There are angels in heaven partying over you because at this point you have crossed from death to life and you can call on the name of Jesus and the Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord and tonight during worship just call on the name of the Lord. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall not perish but receive eternal life. God, thank you for every single soul in here. May we love the way that you love. Speak to us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.